Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show, live on this Wednesday evening. You hear the music, you know what that means. Of course, we get ready for Falcons and Chargers coming up this Sunday afternoon. We head out to the WadeFord.com hotline as, as we do on Wednesdays. We talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. She, of course, Atlanta Falcons reporter for AtlantaFalcons.com. And you can check out her work at AtlantaFalcons.com and follow her on her Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney and Tori, as always, appreciate it. I got to ask, I pre-registered for my Taylor Swift tickets to buy them early. Did you, did you get pre-registered as well, or are you using all those big connections you got with the Falcons to get you in? Uh, I pre-registered like everyone else. I um, am probably going to have to sell my soul in order to be able to go to this concert because, you know, it's, the, it's day two and day three of the draft is when she's coming. Yeah, so uh, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pool all of our money together, and we're going to figure out a way to get in the building. But anyway. Thank you. That that makes that, – that gives me hope for you, and it really does. <laughs> so let's start with the big news yesterday about the Calvin Ridley trade. I'm not surprised about the trade. Um, I guess I didn't even realize you could trade a player who's not even technically active in the league, but – why do you think there was the necessity to get this done now versus waiting until the off season when there might be a bigger market for his services? Yeah, I mean, that's the question on everyone's mind. I know it was the question on my mind when I was first going through it. And to be completely honest, I really don't think I've found an answer yet because I don't know, we were talking to Arthur Smith today and he made the comment, he was like, you know, this wasn't a, uh, a, a short-term trade deadline package that they put together. This was something that had been ongoing conversations and discussions that they've had in that it was expedited because of the trade deadline. But when you have a player who's not playing and not able to play a single down of football, it makes you wonder what was expedited in that process. And so I, I to be completely honest with you, I don't have the right answer because I'm in the same boat as everybody else where I thought that it would probably, from the outside looking in, you think it, it would behoove the Falcons to wait until maybe there is a bigger market for Calvin Ridley and he is reinstated in the league. So, I don't know. I'm just as, I'm just as curious as everybody else. You know, Tori, obviously we know that they could use some depth at their cornerback position and they made the trade for Rashad Fenton. So I'll ask it like this. Is that maybe a message or a sign that maybe Hayward and Terrell are going to be out longer than maybe we first hoped or thought that they felt like it was important enough to go out on the trade market and go get a guy to provide some more depth here? I think potentially. I mean, I think that's always something that when you have two starters, you're number one, number two, or two number ones, however you want to look at it, in terms of that position, when they both go down with the injuries that they've gone down with, I mean, Casey Hayward, Arthur Smith didn't close the door on Casey Hayward potentially making a return this season, but the way that he has talked about it, I don't think, I, I definitely think that Casey Hayward's injury is way more long-term than what I, I think anyone wanted or hoped for, and so with that, I think you, you lose Casey and then to lose AJ and those hamstring injuries can be tricky. And I, I think we've seen that before and they can linger and you, you want to make sure that AJ Terrell is at 100% before you send him out there again because of the nature of a hamstring injury. And so 
because of all those things, you've been relying on Darren Hall and Cornell Armstrong over the last two games. And I think it would be nice to go out and get somebody like what they did. I'm, I'm not surprised that they did, especially considering that you knew that Casey Hayward was going to be much longer term. So because of that, you need depth and, and nothing against Cornell Armstrong or D Alford or anybody like that, but you just needed a bit more people, especially when you went down Jalen Hawkins as well. I mean, you're talking about your defensive back group as a whole that was really struggling there depth wise for a minute. And so you, you hope that you can get Jalen Hawkins back at that safety position, which he was at full go today. But as far as AJ and Casey goes, you, I don't know the timetable for that. So I, I do think it's, it would be, it behooves the Falcons to go out and get a corner off the market. It's our weekly conversation with Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com as we get ready for Falcons and Chargers. She joins us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. We did get good news. Uh, Cordero Patterson back uh, in the mix and practicing. If I put out the number to you, because I think his value is going to be in the passing game this weekend, and given how productive the other two guys are, if I said that he got eight carries this Sunday, would you go over or under that number? I think I'd go over. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I think the Falcons are, are would want to go back to what, producing at a very significant clip in the run game. I don't think that means that we see, we don't see Tyler Algier or Caleb Huntley. I just think there's going to be a nice mix of those. I would like to see a nice mix of those three and the way the Falcons have been running the ball. I mean, heck against the Browns, they ran it what 40 times. So <laughs> I, I honestly, when it comes to the Falcons running the ball, I tend to go the over <laughs> uh, just in general. So I think, it, and Arthur Smith has said, a couple of times now that how excited he is to get CP back. And I I think that, yes, he's going to be obviously utilized in, in every facet of the offense, but I I do feel confident that they're going to try and get him going a bit here. He said today that he was at 90%. So if he can get to 100 by Sunday, which I I bet he could, I mean, I think, I think you're looking at a three headed monster, if you will, with, CP and Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley back there. Do you think that the fact that they play on Thursday, that they'll have to go into a short week influences how much they use him this week, knowing that they have a quick turnaround going up to Carolina? Potentially, but I think because of because of the depth that you do feel like you have at the position, I feel like it's it's less about like, oh, you're going into a short week, you want to keep them healthy. I mean, not a, of course, I think that goes into it, but I do think that when you have that depth, it's it's not as big of of an issue as maybe it was, say, if this was happening in week three before CP gets hurt, before you see what Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier can do. Tori, uh, I guess we'll probably hear from Dean Pease tomorrow. It is uh, with the Thursday, so I would assume he'll be speaking tomorrow. But one of the things that has been a problem, and it was certainly a problem this past Sunday, is too many big conversions on long third downs, you know, third and 12, third and 15. It just, there were too many big chunk conversions, you know, forget the, the PJ Walker touchdown. That's a, a whole separate discussion, but it does seem like this team is giving up at times too many big third down plays. How concerning is that? I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that that will be part of what, you know, is talked about with Coach Pease tomorrow, but that seems to be one of the bugaboos. At least these last couple of weeks is just too many big third-down conversions for teams. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I actually went back and looked at it, and it's not just third and long, but the problem this past Sunday against Carolina was actually third and medium. So you're talking third and four, third and five, and third and six, where they have a manageable situation as a defense to to come up with a stop. And the problem wasn't necessarily that they were giving up four or five or six yards in those situations. It was that they were giving up 20 30, 40, and, and that's that's the problem. And and I think that is where I think Dean Pease, something that he's talked about before, something that some of these defenders have talked about before is limiting those explosives because you look at the explosives that they gave up last year and they actually were a really good defense at limiting explosives of other offenses. And they started out that year being that way too. But recently, in, like what you're saying in the last, Honestly, if we're looking at the Bengals game and the Carolina game, that's been a major issue is these giant chunk yards of 20, 30, 35, 40 yards a play. And a lot of times it has happened over the last game, at least, on these third and mediums where you think you have a good opportunity to get off the field on third down. So, yes, this is something that this defense, I think, is aware of. I think they know they have to fix it and fix it quick. It's our weekly conversation with Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com. She joins me on the WaitForIt.com hotline. You know, we talked about last week and, you know, deficiencies, if you will, for lack of a better word, in the passing game. But I thought that Coach Smith, Dave Ragone, whoever deserves credit for it, I thought not the number of attempts, but the way that they used and schemed their passing game. Quick throws, one read, get the ball out, you know, don't spend too much time trying to read the field. I thought they used Pitts and London especially well, even underneath quick routes to get it to them. It feels like that this coaching staff is is really kind of figuring out how to scheme with what they have to work with. I've always said it's not about doing more of something that doesn't work, but can you be effective in scheming your way with your personnel? It really felt like last week they put on a clinic with how to use Mariota, their receivers, Pitts. Everybody kind of fell really in sync last week in the pass game. Yeah, I've been saying for a few weeks now that for for me, when I watched this Falcons pass game, it wasn't necessarily like the amount of times that they were throwing or the lack of them throwing the ball. It was the execution when they did throw the ball. And that was something that I felt like was lacking for a few weeks there where they just were not executing at the clip they needed to when they were in not just like obvious passing situations, but when they did go to it. And and I think that was something that, especially in the drives that you saw Atlanta be productive offensively against Carolina, you saw how that was kind of mixed in that what exactly what you're talking about, getting Kyle Pitts involved, getting Drake London involved, OZ, Demir Bird, even, I mean, these are guys who have been, I feel like we've, against Carolina and those productive drives, you saw them getting more and more involved. And, of course, everybody loves all fantasy owners. Like, yes, of course, throw cop hits the ball every single time. That's not realistic, of course. But it was nice to see how involved he was. And, and even, too, I'll say this. I was very impressed with Drake London in the past game, but not in the way that you may think. I was very impressed with Drake London when the ball was not in his hands. I thought his downfield blocking – was very, very impressive on Sunday, and that's something that I very much would commend him on. 
Tori, uh, obviously Khalil Mack uh, this week. Um, you know, what makes him so special is that he can line up just about anywhere on the defensive yep. line. He's been a pro bowler at multiple positions. How important is it? I know Arthur talked a little bit about it, but how important is it just they can't let guys like him get off, and especially if he starts lining up inside. There have been some issues at times, you know, with our center position blocking, but you have to spend all hands on deck to make sure he didn't get off this week. Yeah, I mean, he, he's someone that you have to know where he is on the line of scrimmage at all times, and, and he's going to be a challenge, and he's going to present a challenge because I don't think that there is a defender, and I'm sure there are people out there that would probably catch me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a defender that the Falcons have played yet quite like him, and, and I'll say that I think it's a very big test for this offensive line especially if you are looking at if Elijah Wilkinson, who did not participate in practice today, who's the Falcons' starting left guard, if he cannot go. He has a knee injury right now and didn't participate in practice. So his availability is something to monitor as the the week of practice goes on and we get closer and closer to Sunday because this offensive line will have to be firing on all cylinders in order for the Falcons' offense to be successful in whatever they are trying to do because that's how – that's how much of a game changer I think Khalil Mack is. Last thing for you, Tori. I mean, obviously Justin Herbert's a, a terrific quarterback, but um, saw the reports today Keenan Allen was speaking to the media and was saying that he had suffered a setback uh, in week seven and it really wasn't getting better as they had the bye week this week. It looks like all accounts are he will not be available. That means no Keenan Allen. That means no Mike Williams. Look, they have a top-flight quarterback, but you know they're a team battling with injuries on their wide receivers, you know, it feels like one of those games where you know he wants to throw it, but if he doesn't have his weapons, Falcons are going to have to find a way to, you know, against some of their backups, just hold their water and just, you know, do the best they can, but can't let him get off this week, even with his backups. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's really interesting because, you know, this secondary has been tested significantly in the last couple of weeks. And I, I know like we were talking about, you know, Joe Burrow and, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and Jamar Chase is not PJ Walker and it's not DJ Moore, but DJ Moore is a pretty dang good receiver. And so you're not going to have someone like that out on the field this Sunday because of the injuries that are, are likely sustaining the chargers right now. And so even though we know what Justin Herbert wants to do, we know kind of what the, the idea and the scope of this offense and what they want to do is, do they have the personnel to do it? And how can the Falcons take advantage of that if it comes to it where the personnel doesn't necessarily match what you normally think the Chargers to be? So with all of that being said, this is a really good opportunity, I think, for this secondary to kind of get a little bit of confidence back after a couple of weeks that have been pretty tough and, and where depth has been tested. You kind of hope that you get Jalen Hawkins back. He was full go today at practice after having being in concussion protocol last week. So you hope you can get him back. Even if A.J. Terrell can't come back, you kind of hope that Darren Hall and Cornell Armstrong have had been tested enough that they're ready to go on Sunday. And so all of that to say, this is a really good test and really good opportunity, I think, for the secondary to build a little bit of confidence. Follow her on her Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. You can check out all of her work at AtlantaFalcons.com. And we talk to Tori every Wednesday here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, have fun, um, you know, this weekend. We'll be down there. And, uh, of course, we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Can't wait. You got it. John Chuckery, we'll be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. At least that's what people say.
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show, hanging out at the Case Studios. Headed to the top of the hour. JR Sports Brief is coming up after us. Uh, 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. So we're watching the World Series right now. The Astros are, are they three outs away? They're three outs away from a no-hitter uh, tonight. So the starter for the Astros, Christian Javier, he was magnificent tonight. Six innings, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts on 97 pitches. And this is their third guy coming out of the bullpen. Presley's in right now. There's one out. So they need two more outs, and they'll have pitched a no-hitter in the World Series. And I guess was the was the Roy – I'm trying to remember if the Roy Halladay game was a World Series game as well. I mean, obviously Don Larson in 56 had the, the famous no-hitter. But I'm trying to remember if Roy Halladay's – if that was a playoff no-hitter or if that was in the World Series. Look that up for me, Day-Day. I can't remember if Roy Halladay did it in the playoffs or if he did it in the World Series. But the Astros are literally two outs away. And, by the way, the uh, Phillies have the top of their uh, order up. So uh, Schwarber's hitting now, and then Hoskins will will hit next. So, obviously, a very good opportunity. Uh, they're going to lose the game. They're down 5 to nothing here in the bottom of the ninth, and they've done absolutely Jack Diddley squat. But – it is funny to think about the the Philadelphia Phillies hit five homers last night, all of them off McCullers. They won that game going away seven to nothing last night, and here we are one night later, and they got shut out. What'd you find for me? Your microphone's not on. Oh, I guess maybe if I don't hit the yeah. IFB, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it was post uh, postseason in October of 2010. Okay, but it wasn't the World Series. No, it wasn't the World Series. It was like a divisional, yeah, divisional or something like that. Yeah, so. So this will be this would be potentially only the second no hitter in World Series history because again Don Larson had the perfect game in in '56 I believe it was '56 for the New York Yankees that was against the uh, against the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, I believe so um, pretty wild to think about you know the the old saying in baseball is you're only as good as the next day or momentum is only as good as the next day's pitcher right that's that's the old saying in baseball momentum's only as good as the next day starter. So um, Houston figured it, it out tonight. And, again, even if Schwarber or somebody does get a hit, this game will be, you know, Houston's. And now we'll have, you know, Houston wins tonight. We'll have a best of three. Um, so, you know, we'll see what uh, what happens out there. We'll see if uh, we'll keep you up to date about what goes on as far as uh, the no-hitter part of it or not. So we were talking to Tory in the uh, last segment as we look ahead to Falcons and Chargers. Look, uh, you know, I brought up to Tory. You know, I saw Keenan Allen talking to the media today. He said that he had suffered a setback in, in uh, you know, week seven. He got back maybe a little bit too quick. And then, you know, in the bye week, he wasn't healing up quick enough. And so looks like most likely he is out for the game on Sunday. And that's a big blow. I mean, obviously, he's a premier top flight wide receiver for them, but you take him, and most likely Mike Williams will not play either. You know, that's two huge pieces on their offense that that they're going to be missing. Now, Austin Eckler has been really good this year. He's averaging four and a half yards a carry. He's got 380 rushing yards. He has scored five touchdowns. So he's also caught 53 passes out of the backfield. So besides running for almost 400 yards and five touchdowns, he's got 53 catches 
and another three touchdowns out of the backfield. So they use him everywhere, right? They run with him. And by the way, you know who else they have in their running back? Sony Michelle is one of their is their other running back. He's got the second most carries on the team, but his yards per carry have been dreadful. He's only at two point eight yards per Kelly. Joshua Kelly is four and a half, and then Herbert himself is only two point three. So Sony Michelle has done next to nothing. But you know Michelle has caught nine passes out of the backfield. He's not scored a touchdown um, this year. But you look at Josh Palmer; he doesn't stretch the field very much. DeAndre Carter doesn't stretch the field a whole lot. Um, Gerald Everett doesn't stretch the field a a whole lot. So, you know, some of these other guys don't pick up the big, huge chunks of yards that, you know, a guy like Herbert, you know, and again, he's got 2,000 yards and 12 touchdown passes already. He's he's having a big season on 66% completion, only four interceptions um, on the year. And if you look, by the way, too, he's taken 10 sacks this year, but his sack percentage, which is the number of times he gets sacked in relation to dropping back, it's only 3.1%. Compare that to a guy like Mariota, who's over 10% on the year. So, you know, the 10 number sticks out a little bit. But again, he's also thrown it 308 times. <laughs> you know, he's got 308 attempts. He's got 203 completions on the year. Just to give you an idea, Mariota for the season only has 178 attempts. So Herbert's got 30 more completions than Mariota has attempts this year. So that's why his sack percentage is so low. But, you know, look, getting Patterson back, I I really do believe that they are not going to work Patterson very hard this week. Knowing that they have a short week coming up, that they're going to Carolina on Thursday. Uh, you know, I think they want to work him back in this week to really get him amped up for Carolina. Because Algier and Huntley have done their job. They've they've provided the running game that they need. And you add Mariota into all of that. So I do think that I think Patterson is in that eight and maybe a peak of about 10 carries. Maybe that's about where he peaks out at. I don't think he gets above. I don't think he gets above 10 carries in this game. I, I really don't. And I know he's healthy, and I know that, you know, I know that he is uh, – did they, did they end up getting a hit? Uh, no, they walked. Okay, so Schorber walked. Hoskins just flied out. So now JT Riomuto, who, by the way, just won the gold at catcher, uh, he comes up to bat now. So Riomuto, I believe, is uh, is up. And that ball got away from Tucker. Kyle Tucker's a really good young player. That ball kind of got away from him a little bit, but uh, we'll see what Riamuto can do. But now you've got two outs, bottom of the ninth. Um, They have had three walks uh, tonight, but they still have no hits, so the no-hitter is intact for the the Houston Astros. But I I just don't think that they're going to work Patterson in very heavily. Oh, there's a ball to third, and the no-hitter is intact. They Philadelphia Phillies. Get no hit tonight. One night after hitting five homers and seven runs, the Astros no hit the Phillies five to nothing. How about that, huh? Bell Allen would say, how about that? Yeah, that's the first no first combined no hitter in World Series history. The last one was Don Larson um, in 56. So crazy. What a, what a night for the Astros. It's been an entertaining series. 
It's been a better. No, series. it is, and it's that's a, a pitching performance that like you don't see those often. Like I, there used to be da- the days like you know seventies, eighties. Like you wanted to go to the ballpark to see that. You know, yeah. Um, nowadays, I mean, again, like I said, they just hit five homers last night. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and now they got no hit yep. tonight. Baseball's a funny game. I'm yep. telling you, it's a it's a strange game. But now this is a best of three. Mm-hmm. You know, now this is the best of three, and Houston got home field back by winning here in Philadelphia uh, tonight. So um, I'm trying to see if they are I'm trying to see if they play tomorrow um, as well. Yes, they will play tomorrow. So that's another eight o'clock game tomorrow. It's a hell of a pitching matchup, Justin Verlander, uh, and actually the uh, Phillies are going to go with Noah Syndergaard uh, in the game, and I think they're going to kind of bullpen game this thing tomorrow. Like, I don't think they expect Syndergaard to play or pitch all that long, so I think Syndergaard is going to. Um, it's probably going to be like a bullpen game for for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, and again, Astros hoping that Justin Verlander can get some things figured out because he's not been, you know. Not been. I don't think he pitched all that well. I want. I want. Need to look at what his, what his numbers were in. Um, oh, was it? Uh, was it game one that he uh, that he pitched? Uh, yeah, five innings and five earned runs um, this past Friday. Um, so did not pitch uh, very well. Um, was pretty good in his final start against New York in the playoffs with the eleven strikeouts and one run. So fun stuff tonight. The Astros no hit the Philadelphia Phillies five nothing, but. Back to our uh, Falcons uh, conversation. I guess that's kind of one of the things about being on late is we can kind of instant react to some different things. But, look, you don't want Justin Herbert to get off in this game. And, you know, obviously the pass defense, you know, they brought that kid over from Kansas City. I have a feeling A.J. Terrell won't play. We know Casey Hayward is on IR. I I do start to think that they think that those two guys, one or both of those guys, are going to be out longer than what they had anticipated because the kid that they brought over from the, the Chiefs had been their starter, but they're playing their rookies and, and starting their rookies now, so he's kind of gotten phased out, but he has been a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he's been a pretty good player and been a starter for them, but I think they feel like that he probably is, that, that Hayward and Terrell are probably going to be out a little bit longer than what they hope um, is, is going to happen. So we'll monitor that. The Alford, you know, uh, Jalen Hawkins has been practicing. He practiced today, so he's out of concussion protocol. So um, good news there. But, you know, look, without their top two wide receivers, you know, Herbert's a good enough quarterback that he'll spread the ball. Look, he's the kind of guy who can make your wide receivers look good. But I'll be interested to see how much they give Patterson, how much of a workload. I, You know, the, the game plan will probably be very similar. I will tell you that. You know, much like we talked about last week with Brian Burns, obviously you can't let Khalil Mack get off. You know, that's that's the guy that he's, you know, and the thing about Mack is he can line up all over the field. And if, look, Derek Brown destroyed Drew Dahlman last week. I mean, destroyed him. You got an interior defensive lineman that was double-digit tackles in a game last week. That was Derek Brown last week. That rarely happens for those guys. That tells you how much he was blowing plays up. Well, Khalil Mack can line up and do that, that same exact type of thing. And obviously, you know, they're um, defensively, they're going to be without Joey Bosa uh, in this game. But Khalil Mack is still a game wrecker. He's got six sacks and a fumble recovery already on the season. 
And if they decide to use him inside and line him up on Dolman, because he'll play all over the place, you know, or line him up and, and maybe use him against uh, McGarry, you got to know where that guy is all the time. You can't let him go in there and destroy, you know, your quarterback. You can't let him go in there and just destroy what you want to do. You know, and they've gotten some decent production out of some of the other guys. You know, Derwin James has a couple of sacks, so you know he's going to be all over the field at safety. So, look, they're going to have to sort of recreate their passing scheme from last week. You know, that's that's what I want to see is I'm not worried about the attempts. I wouldn't even mind seeing the attempts come down from 28, maybe into that 22-23 range, but scheme the same way. Quick read, one throw, don't think, quick release, quick route underneath, throw it to your first read, go. Make it simple. Keep it, you know, the kiss theory. Keep it simple, stupid. So I'm going to be looking at those quick hits in the passing game that they mix in with their run game, and I think they'll use Patterson. I think Patterson will get more run as far as him getting out in routes and being part of their passing game than him necessarily lining up in the backfield and just lining up and running it between the tackles in his first game back. So it's a game I think the Falcons can win. That would be four in a row at home, um, which would be crazy talk. But, you know, I think it's a game that the Falcons can find a way to win, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, all your coverage right here on 92.9, the game before they head in the short week against Carolina. All right, when we get back, we'll get to That's Life. One of the most historic documents, well, maybe the most historic document in American history. An original copy is going up for auction, plus our top 10 as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 1141, live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site. Catch us on the go. Social media at 9 on the game. At JMCH316 on Twitter. We've got Day Day behind the glass tonight. We'll get to our top 10 here in just a couple of minutes. We will uh, also get the uh, JR Sports Brief coming up here at the top of the hour as we're on a little bit later with the Hawks victory tonight. So, Day Day, have you heard about do you have you heard about this Tesla cyber cyber quad? Yeah, I heard about the the they were having some issues or whatever. So, the Tesla Cyber Quad is a youth ATV vehicle mm-hmm. that is modeled after what is going to be their electric truck that comes out. It's called the, the Tesla Cyberquad. It's made in conjunction with Radio Flyer. So if you remember Radio Flyer, the wagons yeah, as a kid yeah, and all that, yeah, the red yeah, wagons. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they say this thing can get as much as 10 miles an hour. Um there were only about 5,000 of them that were sold. They cost 1900 bucks a piece, and they sold out very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, the problem that they have is because it's labeled as a youth ATV, there are certain things like the um, computer that controls the motor 
tire pressure. There's some there's some funky safety things mm-hmm. that go along with it. Now, Tesla is saying that if you were send it back, they'll give you a full refund um, for it. But uh, Radio Flyer said on the on its website, quote, we take the safety of children very seriously. Radio Flyers work closely with the CPSC to issue voluntary recalls of the Cyberquad for kids. But this thing looks pretty cool. It's very it does. futuristic. It, yeah, it's uh, it's real like a G.I. Joe, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's very futuristic, and it's very much like the truck. And, and I'll be honest with you, for a youth product like that, for $1,900, it's all electric, like yeah. a Tesla. $1,900 is not really that bad of a nah, not, That's not the nah, bad of a price. I'd get it for like my 12, 13-year-old. Yeah. Well, he's 12, but yeah, I'd get it for him. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go younger than that probably. Yeah, I mean, so that's not bad. And they said they'll give you a full refund on it. They say owners are asked to remove the ATV's motor controller. That's the computer that controls the power from the batteries going to the electric motor. And then you send it back to Radio Flyer um, where they will permanently disable it. You'll get a $1,900 refund, plus they will add 50 bucks in to uh, cover disposable costs and stuff like that. So so but, does that mean, like, you, you're basically the ATV will no longer be of usage to you? Like, it, it's a complete recall? Cause well, that's what they want. Let me put it this way. On a recall like that, if you ride it and get hurt... You're not gonna be probably able to sue Radio Flyer or Tesla. Gotcha. You know that that's. So they want you to shut it down. Shut right. It down. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, now I'll bet you not many people send this thing back. <laughs> I, honestly, I mean it's pretty cool. I wouldn't send it back. Yeah. I'd be like, screw you. Right. So now, how about this that is coming up from auction? You've heard of Sotheby's, yes. the auction house. Yes. They are selling the second. They they have sold. This will be the second privately owned. First printed edition of the United States Constitution. Wow. Okay. Okay. There are only 13 known copies on earth mm-hmm. of the original U.S. Constitution that were printed. Wow. This will be the second one that has been privately owned that they're going to auction. The first one, they expected it to reach somewhere between 15 to 20 million. Mm-hmm. It sold for 43 million. Gee. This one they're talking twenty to thirty million, so I'm not going to be surprised if this thing isn't fifty, sixty million wow. when it's said and done. Wow! Now, what was crazy is watching this guy from Sotheby's handle it with his hands, with his <laughs> bare hands. <laughs> but this thing is amazing to look at, and you know it's obviously in a in glass enclosed case, right? But it's one of only two privately held copies of the original draft of the U.S. Constitution. Wow, I'd love to have that. I, I would mean, love to have my hands on that. I, look, if the first one sold for 43, this the way things are now, this thing won't sell less yeah. than 50 or 60 million. Yeah, make me want to uh, have a, uh, what's the movie with my guy, Pierce Bronson, where they always, him and uh, uh, Zeta, they always would steal like the uh, really... Uh, like well, you had what was the one with Nicolas Cage where, uh, where it was that the was national treasure? National treasure, yeah. And then, he was stealing like the like the Declaration yeah. of Independence and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I need I need to yeah. get into that kind of I mean, activity. Think about though. <laughs> I mean, look, fifty, sixty million. If you got the money, yeah, it'd probably be worth it to have something like this yeah. more than like a yeah. sports card or something. Yeah, like that. definitely. But, I mean, that's something you could pass down through your family. That yes. I mean, you know, yeah. Like, that's I mean, it's it's never going to. It's never going to lose value. I mean, let's put Mm-mm. it that way. But um, I, if I had something like that in my house, I'd hi- I'd have to hire a guard 
like like a personal guard to stand over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, like yep. a piece of art. I'd yep. have to have it in a case yep. and have a personal bodyguard with a with yep. a with a weapon by his side that's fully <laughs> fully loaded and in ready to go, full metal jacket and ready to go. Yes. yes. What an incredible piece of history that's uh, that's coming up for auction. So yeah, we'll monitor awesome. that and we'll see what uh, what goes on with all of that. All right, today is National Broadcast Traffic Professionals Day. Okay. So, tonight's top ten list. Mm-hmm. I feel like getting myself in trouble. <laughs> tonight's top ten. Your favorite TV or radio news, weather, or traffic people in honor of the Traffic Professionals Day. Day Day, the floor is yours. All right, so I, I mixed it up because I don't feel like getting in trouble. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I mixed it up just a little bit here. So, um... I've got uh, Guavir. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but she used to be on Fox. Now she's yes. on CBS 46. Yes. Um, Devere, I, know, uh, I know who you're Devere. talking about. Yes. Um, Russ Spencer, I always thought he was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anjali Proctor for the simple fact that her father was uh, used to be my landlord years oh, ago. Me and some okay. roommates, we rented a, a house of, it was his grandmother's house Okay. Uh, over in the historic MLK area, and uh, we rented that house out from them. So she'll always be one of my favorites. Uh, Justin Farmer and Fred Blankenship. I hell, I'm old enough that I remember Justin's dad, Don Farmer. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's how old I. That's how old and how long I've been in Atlanta. I remember right. Don Farmer, his dad, before you yeah. know he retired. Yep. Uh, Sharon Reed. I know she's no longer local. I know, but she is still doing mm-hmm. some uh, some new stuff. And ironically, I know Le- you LeBron's don't like ba- LeBron's baby mom. I didn't say it. You did. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, but you know she actually had an appearance on She-Hulk. I know you don't watch all the Marvel stuff. Oh, she was on. She She-Hulk. was on She-Hulk. Yeah. Was she, she playing LeBron's a reporter? Baby mama, or what was she? <laughs> Moving on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elise Eady, Fox Five. Oh yes, um, I, I like, like Elise. Elise Eady. Yeah. Yes. You know she was like a former, I think, Miss wherever she's I, from. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll guarantee you. <laughs> Sean Gables. Yes, I like her too. All right, and uh, I, I'm wrapping it up with two legends, Monica Kaufman Pearson and our very own Sam Crenshaw, because because of Sam, that's why I love covering high school sports. Uh, Monica, I think, is with uh, CBS She's, 46. Yeah, she although, has a – it's Peachtree TV that she has like a Sunday – Yeah, and, and they're not even CBS 46 anymore, No, by the way, now too. it's like yeah. News First. News, Atlanta, Atlanta News First yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's get in trouble. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's start with the uh, separate ones. Okay. Um, Glenn Burns, who just announced yes. his retirement yes. uh, after 40 years on TV. Yep. Um, do you remember Captain Herb? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually be in the chopper and yes, everything. Yes. Exactly. Yep. On WSB traffic and all that. Um, he still does some stuff for traffic, mm-hmm. but I've always loved Art Mad Mad Maring. Okay. Who used to at yeah. one time was the was the uh, PA guy for the Falcons. Right. He was the PA okay. guy for the Falcons uh, as well. All right. Here we go. Oh, oh I, uh, Ken <laughs> Cook. I put Ken Cook on okay, my Ken list Cook, uh, okay. as well. So All right, cool. He's a handsome man. He won't get <laughs> trouble. All right. Here we go. Let's, uh, here let's we get go. in. I think I got 11 uh, on here. Uh, let's go with Natalie McCann. Okay. Um, Ayana Crystal. Nice. Uh, nice. Savannah Louie from that CBS 46. <laughs> yes. I like her a lot. Um, let's go with Sophia Choi. Yes, yes. And yes. let's see. Let's do Alex Whitler. I love her. Okay. Uh, Dawn White, massive fan of her. Yes. I met Dawn. Actually, yeah. Dawn, I've met and talked to. Okay. She's at Eleven Alive. So right. When I've done TV, the first thing I do is go over and talk to her, <laughs> not talk to anybody else. Uh, Brittany Edney, big fan of her. Okay. She was with Fox, and now she's with CBS. Yep. And then, without question, 
number one all-time Wendy Corona. <laughs> oh, there you go. Might as well get myself in some trouble. Hell, it's almost midnight. What do I care? All right, when we get back, going to wrap it up with a love TKO. Sports Radio, 92 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. Stopping on a dream.